Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'd like to open in prayer before we get started in the study. So, um, Father Yahweh, great and mighty you are, there is none like you. Father, we thank you for this day of rest that we can gather and learn from you. And Father, we'd like to lift up Deborah Faye, um, her family, and um, uh, her family, and ultimately of, of her her loss that their family has had through their brother-in-law. And Father, you know their circumstances, and we just ask peace uh, for the family and guide them and be with them at this time, Father. We we it, we just want to thank you that we can come to you and ask these things. Father, again, we believe your report. We believe that your only son, your words became flesh, and he dwelt among us. He has laid his life down and has taken it back up again. And Father, he is now. <laughs> we are studying how he is bringing us all back to you and your ways. And Father, we thank you for the empowerment of your spirit that we have so we can overcome all things. We thank you. Amen. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys are here. Um, and as you know, those on our online family, thanks for joining us. LivingMessiah.com is our website, and you'll find the donate button and address there, and we want to thank all who uh, support us, and uh, it, it's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thumbs up is always nice as well, too. So, But let's get, back, uh, let's get into our study. We are following Barnaba and uh, Shaul, or the Apostle uh, Paul. Uh, on their first missionary journey, the one that's recorded here in Acts, uh, they have arrived in a town called um, Papos, uh, and that is on the island of uh, Cyprus. Think about their journey for a second, for a moment. Uh, traveling by sea in those times, it was dangerous, uh, some of the things I read. You would only travel at certain times of the year because of that, and, and you know they don't they don't have the ships and the things that we have like now today. Um, so then you'd have to worry about the winds and the weather, of course. Uh, plus, you'd have to supply your own food. There was no dining quarters to go to, right? Uh, you couldn't join the buffet line with the rest of the. The crew, no, it wasn't anything like that. Um, and if you notice something else, too, to point out, I think we have to keep in mind, you notice here, there's nothing about loading donkeys, even, these two. You know, you think that would be mentioned. My, my guess is that they're walking everywhere they go. Could you do that for the good news for your Messiah? Walk everywhere? Mm. If you can <laughs> But that is pretty heavy, what they've gone through and what they endured in those times and all that they did. And 
walking and all the hardships and everything that would come along with that in those days as well. We got it easy. We have to admit we do have it pretty easy here. So, so that was just a quick reminder. So we have come to chapter 13 in this study in Acts. We, we are on this island here, Cyprus, and uh, again, Paul and Barnabas, uh, you know, on their missionary journey, it is endorsed by the assembly in Antioch, where they're coming from, fully endorsed, I might add. We have, uh, in some sense, if you want to think about in the last couple of weeks, we have been on the shore of the Mediterranean discussing the subject of prophet, right? How they, viewed, how they were viewed both by Elohim and the nations around the children of Israel. And there are plenty more things to investigate about the subject of prophet, but we're going to move on. And I know uh, but we have to. And, but that is just to say, guys, look into that yourselves. There is a lot to learn about that. So, but we're going to move on. So we're going to move on reminding ourselves that Navi is the specific Hebrew word uh, behind the English word that we, when we say prophet. So to sum up the definition of Navi or prophet would be in this way. The Hebrew prophet is one who speaks the words or the instructions of Elohim. They are received through vision and dreams. Moses was very unique in that manner, I want to point out. So the instructions from the prophet um, of Elohim are to teach the proper way to go, to discipline, to train, to correct the people, right? A navi was, was the, has that word picture in a sense, if you want to put it in a, a picture in your mind, think of a house and think of the, uh, a prophet as the one who brings the fruit that's inside that house or the seed that's inside that house. And that house would be the most high. It would be our father's house. So that's what the prophet does. He's bringing those words that are inside the house from the father out to the people for training, instruction, and so on. Okay? At least some of the things. So that's an awesome picture when you begin to think of it in a picture format. And the other thing I might add, I have to add this, uh, Navi, uh, the, very, the Hebrew words, if you kind of flip them around, you come to another Hebrew word. If you flip them almost backwards, you come to uh, bana or ben, meaning son. And that to me is very interesting because a son is ultimately the one who builds the household. He's the seed that comes from the father. He's the words that, you know, so you can see the relationship pictorially, that imagery between Navi and a son. And, it, and obviously we know who was a son and who also was a prophet. Greater than Moses, the great, and ultimately that is Yeshua who... Uh, through what he has done, has brought redemption for those who will choose to uh, hang on to that. So let's continue now with Barnabas and, and, and Saul. Um, but I think it's very important, something else, as, as we're going for, forward. There has not been any mention of a, a birth of a Gentile church. Okay? 
We are in chapter 13. No evidence whatsoever. No new birth of a Christian church here. Uh, now, there was a new assembly or a sect, okay? And this new assembly is firmly rooted in the Torah or the law of Moses, okay? Messiah followed the law and taught all to do that very same thing. It never, this is interesting, it never was legalistic in the eyes of the Messiah, was it, to follow the law? That had me thinking when I, in my study, I'm like, okay, because that's a term that gets thrown around. So I did a Google search, and some of us know that concept. Um, we hear it a lot. But what is a legalistic person? I looked this up, and I think this is pretty somewhat how I understand it or have grown to understand it. Uh, in Christian theology, legalism or um, Nom, nomism is another word that they use. Is uh, this is strange? A projective term, and I had to look up this project. Uh, per, 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 this term that was being used here, and it's interesting what it actually means. It's a term meaning contempt or have displeasure. So it's a legalism is ultimately in Christian theology contempt for the law of Moses. Displeasing doesn't like the law of Moses. Because the idea is that by doing good works or by obeying the law, a person earns merits of salvation. But I, we have to ask ourselves, but what about working out your salvation, right? It is a free gift by grace. How do I work that out? Barry has his hand up. And I would suggest you work it out legally. You follow the law. That's how you work it out. Barry? Every time I've, I've run into someone that has that idea, it's always Jesus came, died on the cross, forgave all my sins, including those I'm going to do in the future because I'm forgiven, basically a, a um, pass to do what they want to do. And... Paul's, and I think it was Paul that wrote, um, you were forgiven, but that doesn't mean you can run out and go do things with, you know, God, it says, uh, let's see, I can't remember, uh, you're forgiven, but to, uh, but going and sinning, God forbid, I can't remember the exact words. Exactly. Huh? Yeah, but, but the idea is, is, is we can just go do what we want to do because we're forgiven. And that's not at all what the Scripture is saying. Exactly. It's, uh, it, it makes absolutely no sense to, it makes absolutely no sense to, uh, if, if you love Yahuwah, your heart's changed. If your heart's changed, 
you want to please him. You want to please him. The way to please him is written in the Torah. And their idea is, no, we don't need the Torah. Exactly. Exactly. Why do we want to? They don't even know what's in Torah. If you don't know what's in Torah, you don't realize that it was given to us as a blessing. And it really is a blessing. And the more you get into the Torah, the more you realize it's for, for um, how to live and how to treat others and the way to please God, the more you realize it was a gift. Exactly. But they don't see it. Thank you, Barry. And we'll take one more comment and we'll continue on here. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're forgiven if you repent, period. Yeah. There is no forgiveness without repentance. So, all this, all this, what we have here so far, and then Acts, that the, the Gentiles that have been mentioned here to this point, are, they already are following in the footsteps of Moses, if you look clearly at what's going on. Um, so, you have to understand this term Gentile, the one from among the nations, a non-Jew in this context. So those who are not Jews, they would be considered God-fearers, and if they're God-fearers, they're following out the God of Israel. Okay? So, I, again, I'd like to clarify that. And I, I know you, there might be some, what about chapter 22, Pentecost, when the Spirit fell? If you read that closely when we were back, I'm going to remind us, now in Jerusalem, there were dwelling Yudim, Jews, dedicated men. It begins that they were Jews. Now, yeah, there was God-fears among them. Again, points back to that they were following the God of Israel or at that time what that faith looked like. Okay, And that's a far cry from a Gentile that has no clue about the God of Israel. And we're in chapter 13. So. So, these God-fearers, we have to look at them in that context. And I don't want to get into that. But the, so it's the faith of the God of Israel and those guidelines given by Moses or received by Moses. So, oh, and two, all Gentiles that have been mentioned to this point, this is including the Romans whose house Peter visited not too long ago. Okay. And that person was walking in the, the same instructions that, Mo, that Moses was given. So we have this idea that's behind what Acts is. It's the good news of the Messiah. That's what Paul and Barnabas are doing. Okay, and we'll get back to what's, uh, what's going on here. It is this good news. It's the good news of Messiah. But it is complementing the good news preached in the wilderness. You can't separate the two. The good news, Yeshua, or, or of Jesus, does not and cannot not nullify the law and the prophet. Messiah said that himself. Remember the one like Moses, a prophet. That was to come. The Messiah, or Moses, was the prototype of the Messiah to come. So that brings us to Paul and Barnabas, or visiting then as they go out, uh, they're not visiting new 
churches out of nowhere, where are they going? They are going to synagogues. They are not establishing new churches. And it says so. And having come on this island of Cyprus, they come to this town, they're proclaiming the word of Elohim to the what? The congregations of the Udim, of the Jews. What would a congregation of the, the Jews at that time be? A synagogue. That's where they were going. No new church here. Okay? So, that gets us back on this idea about the good news. And we, I know we talked about prophets, but I have to share this because this really sums up about Messiah and this good news that they're doing. I'll read it briefly. Deuteronomy 18. And Yahweh, your Elohim, shall rise up for you a prophet like me, that being like Moses from your brothers. Listen to him according to all you ask of Yahuwah your Elohim and Herb in the day of the assembly saying, let me not hear again the voice of Yahuwah my Elohim nor let me see this great fire anymore. Least I die. And Yahuwah said to me, what they have spoken is good and I shall raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, Yahshua the Messiah, out of the midst of their brothers, and, the, and I shall put my words in this one, Yahshua's mouth, my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And, and it shall be the man who does not listen to Yahshua, this prophet, my son, my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require of him. That's pretty heavy. And like Barry was pointing out, just knowing Messiah doesn't get you out of everything. Okay? So, we have to keep that in mind. So, ultimately, what we have here... Whoop, sorry. So, Paul and Barnabas in the good news, and they are proclaiming is the one like Moses, Yeshua. That's how I would present it to you. And that's how I see it. It's his death and resurrection of the Messiah, the very promise, the good news that was to come. Okay? This news was supported by the word of Elohim, which they are going out and doing, the Torah, which is the instructions given at Mount Sinai. Then the prophets, then, when the, uh, the prophets, the, uh, coming from, then it was given to the prophets, the prophets brought it forth, so all these words, the word of Elohim, the good news, the instructions, they're eternal and unchanging. Eternal and unchanging righteous ways to live your life. So ultimately, what we have here so far in Acts, nothing new, just our Father's word is faithfully true. Okay. So, this is where we're at, on that island of Cyprus. They found a certain magician, a false prophet, a, a Jew, uh, Udite, or a Jew whose name was Bar Yeshua. Bar Yeshua being a magician, a false prophet, and we find him right where we would suspect him. With a ruler or a leader of that area, just like most of the prophets of the past. There's that idea I had mentioned 
you see the prophets, and usually the prophets are related to the kings or the people in power, like we went through uh, Balach and Balaam a lot, okay? That was, uh, that was even a lot of the scholars see that recognizing that relationship of the prophet with a king or a ruler. We have it here in Acts as well. Because this Bar Yeshua, this magician prophet, he's with the governor of this town here on this island, which I think. Okay, so Paul's going to address this false prophet. We're moving on, guys. We are. You see? So Paul says and said, O son of the devil, accuser, filled with all deceit and all recklessness, recklessness, you enemy of all righteousness shall you not cease perverting the straight ways of Yahuwah and now see the hand of Yahuwah is upon you and you shall be blind not seeing the sun for a time and instantly a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand and having seen what took place the proconsul, that governor, you know, there on the island, believed, being astonished at the teachings of the master. And having put out from Papos, Saul and those with him came to um, Perg in Pamphylia. I'm sorry, I didn't know. Anyhow, so they go on from there. But I want to look at this section of text, of Paul's words. Why did he say the things he said? Well, let's, let's look at that. He said, son of the devil. I choose to look at it, accuser. Son, seed, you seed of the accuser. It even begins to say deceit, filled with all deceit. Does that bring to mind somebody? A lot of people, right? Numbers 22, 32. And the messenger of Jehovah said to him, Why have you beaten your donkey? Remember Balaam and that? One phrase Elohim used to with uh, Balaam and his donkey was like, you know what? He says it specifically. You're reckless, my prophet. Because Balaam was being a prophet. But he was accused of being reckless. And we have that word popping up right here. But that's not all with this prophet here, um, here that Paul's run into. He's saying enemy of all righteousness. So you've got to ask yourself, what is, what is righteousness? And where does it come from? What's it look like? How do you know what is right or is wrong? How do you know what is righteousness and what is not? Just yell it out because you know it. The Torah, the instructions from Elohim, that is righteousness. So Paul is saying you're an enemy of the Torah. So that must mean Paul's for <laughs> the Torah, right? I, I would imagine he's for it if he's saying this person, this prophet's against it. Okay, but that's not all. He goes on. Paul really laying on thick hair. He's not letting this guy get away with much at all, right? 
You might even say, wow, man, he's really rude. But maybe there's a reason for it. He goes on, perverting the way of Yah. What is the straight ways of Yah? Again, that points back to those instructions. The New Testament hasn't been written, so anything that has to do with a righteous lifestyle, the ways of Yah, all come from Mount Sinai, from the one like from Moses, then eventually the one like Moses, who is Yeshua. Nothing has changed. No new theology can be invented here. You can't use Paul to do that. Yes, Barry. I have to believe, I believe, <clears throat> that Balim had Torah. I have to believe that that I myself, and I'm not going to point finger, but I believe others as well, that have Torah, make the mistake of Balim. For he knew that he was to ble- he was to wait, and he said, "No, I have I I can't go the first time, the second time, and then on the second time he's running out the door." He went and followed the instructions, but then after giving the great prophecy that he gave, and that should have been the end, he still went and and gave Balak. Ideas how to get at the inside of, information, <laughs> yeah. So to speak. Yeah, and I believe that that at least I'm a point of finger at myself. I know that I believing in Yeshua, believing in Torah, still make that same mistake of doing something that seems to be innocent but not right and hope that I catch it. Don't do it. No, I, I, no, I agree with you, Barry. We all fall short of that. But I think there's a big difference of falling short of it and saying, I don't need it, and it's been done and, and fulfilled, gone, and go on with our lives. I think there's a big difference in that thinking. You know, I think that's very important. But thank you, Barry. So right here with this prophet, it's interesting. It says, you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. So I would suggest it's not a terminal blindness here. Sounds a lot like the experience Paul himself went through, right? (laughs) Because remember, he was on the way to Damascus. Bam, he was blinded for a while too. And this is a Jew, this prophet who's being called Paul. So, um, I'll take Joe and then... That blindness, I don't think it was a fiscal blindness, but it was a spiritual blindness. I, Joe, and I, I see what you're saying. I would agree, but at the same time, if he needs someone to help him walk around, he's physically blind. You, you see what I'm saying? Yes. Up here, it says, uh, seeing the sun for a time, 
this is an old King James, and it says, uh, not seeing the sun for a season. A season time. That's good. Is could be, I don't think it'd be the four seasons. I think it's one of the feast days. It very well could be. It could be a a designated time, whatever that is, and it could be according to the feast. Maybe Yom Kippur. It it very well could be. Yes. So he is blinded, and I do believe that he is physically blind because of the way it continues on. He needs someone to lead him by the hand. Let's keep that in mind, but let's go back here. And instantly a dark mist. Some of these should bring things to your mind, or at least let me point them out to you, the things that come to mind. A dark mist. What was the plague right before the blood of the Lamb? Darkness. I think it's fair if we can connect it with the Exodus story. After all, this is the good news of the blood of the Lamb. And maybe you have to get some darkness in you before you like grab onto it. Because I, I would imagine that was part of what Saul and Barnabas were speaking about as we'll see later on how he reveals uh, more about Messiah. So I think that's interesting. So there is a theme of blindness seeing, seeing incorrectly. It's in Scripture. Not doing right. Like I said, Paul was struck with blindness too. In this context, then we ha- would have to understand Along with the physical blindness, yeah, uh, you brought out, um, Joe, about spiritual blindness. Uh, I think that's good. And I would say that spiritual blindness then is understanding the word of Elohim and executing the instructions in the right manner. And those are all physical things you do. Blindness is the theme that happens in the Hebrew text. And, and it's used in concert uh, to point out the, inc- uh, the incorrect or reckless way of living out the word of Elohim or the word of God. Maybe not even doing it, doing what's expected of you. Could that be reckless and be blind? Yes. You've got to raise your hand with me. We all were blindness that these instructions are for us today, right? Led by the hand, it says here. Who was led by the hand in the wilderness? Joe? I was looking at verse 11. Uh, My question is, uh, what was the dark mist? And then how come if he was blind, how could he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand? If he was blind, how could he do that? Yeah, it seemed to be, when I was looking at it, not this complete darkness, but there was somewhat of a blindness and he needed someone the leading them around. But getting back to that, led by the hand. Who was led by the hand in the wilderness? Yes. No, what I, I was kind of looking at what Joe was first, Ralph. Uh, he said a mist. 
In other words, it was just him. It could have been, I don't know, a vapor, whatever, that protected him from seeing because that was supposed to be what happened. I'm not going to question what the father put on this, him to do. Yeah. Now it very well could be. So anyone have an idea who was led by the hand in the wilderness? Is it going to Paul? Oh, oh. oh well, the moment passed, but um, I was thinking how appropriate it was that um, our Yeshua was trying to blind the proconsul to God's truth, and he himself was struck with blindness. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Paul. Let Paul have the mic. Are, are you still asking that same question? <laughs> so, um, okay, I'm going to step out there, and Mark whispered in my ear and kind of gave me the answer. Uh, his people, Israel. Exactly. <laughs> that is very important, because that's what I want to look at in a bigger picture here. Israel was led by the hand in the wilderness, and that happened to be right after the blood of the Lamb, the plagues, the darkness, and brought out into the wilderness to be taught, instructed, given the instructions on a righteous life. So what was this prophet about? We really don't know much about him except that he's labeled a false prophet. Uh, where... I had mentioned before, false prophet does not exist in the Old Testament. You have to know the Word of God to know who the prophet is. And if there's a falsehood in him, and if there's words. And we did a big study on that, and I hope that you got a lot out of that. I hope it was challenging uh, in that aspect. But here in the New Testament, you're being told that he is false. Yes. A teacher, I'm not sure exactly where it said this, but it says if a prophet's whatever comes true, then he is a prophet, period. Um, yes, to some extent. If a prophet, whatever he does, does come true, but if he leads you to the ways of another Elohim, then do not bother with him. Yeah. So Thank you. So... What I'm looking at is like, we don't know much about this prophet, okay? So maybe to understand this prophet, we compare him with Paul. So, you know, with this prophet. I don't know. To me, it seems like an, a, a way to go about it. So we don't know who Bar Yahshua is, but we know of Paul to some extent, right? If we consider Paul, then then it may help more with this prophet and why Paul says all these terrible things about this guy. He lays it on thick, right? So what do we know about Paul? Let's run through that real quick. He was a Pharisee. He was trained with the Pharisees. He says, I'm a Pharisee. He's a Hebrew. He's a Jew or from Benjamin. He's part of the Udim at the time, right? So that being said, if he was a Pharisee, he went to the best schools. He knew the scriptures, many of the traditions as well that come along with it. He knew the law and the Pharisees. But specifically, he knew the law and the word of Elohim too. I think that is very 
very important. But most important, he was called to. He was called to be a servant to Elohim. Acts 9.15, but the master said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel, speaking of Paul, to bear my name, bear my character, bear who all I am. This is who Paul is versus this prophet who's being labeled false. Because Paul's saying he's going to bear my, Elohim says to Paul, you're, or Yahshua, you're going to bear my name before all nations, kings, and the children of Israel. So Paul is bearing the Father's name, and there's a lot into that just simple statement. And Acts 13.2, he's even talking about, it talks about, um, and as they were going, being Paul and Barnabas, uh, when they were in Antioch, there was fasting going on, and then Elohim, the Spirit at that point, says, I separate to, uh, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I have called them. And that's what they're doing right now where they've been called. And what are they doing? They're proclaiming the word of Elohim. They are teachers of the word of Elohim, it says, in Antioch. That would be their teachers of the instructions, the Torah, the law of God, the law of Moses. So if we take who Paul is, this prophet Bar Yeshua, that gives you a good idea of how far maybe the prophet's gone off. Okay, it's not according to the word of Elohim. It's not according to the Torah, the instructions. That's all that I think we could conclude why Paul was so adamant in the words that he used for to, to speak to this gentleman. Yes, Joe. Yeah, when I, <clears throat> when I think of Paul in Corinthians, it says that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And uh, the other is that he doesn't choose the higher-ups. Paul was one of the higher-ups. And I think that maybe Henson, God, chose Paul because of his position, being a Pharisee, being up in the high hierarchy, to uh, show that it's not... uh, where God looks at the on the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. And of course, after Paul was converted, to see the change, I, he now, humbled I, he himself. Now, you can't say that he was converted, Joe. I can't well, let that go. Uh, anyway, he well, come maybe to not know converted the Messiah, in our, but he didn't in our terms, to anything, though. In our terms, he wasn't converted, but God chose him to foolish things of the world, to confound the wise. And Paul humbled himself to from that position of higher down to uh, where you, uh, the humbleness. Yes. Thank you, Paul. Or uh, thank you, Joe. So this helps us to understand the difference between here. So in some ways, I believe it's safe to assume that this prophet magician that Paul is speaking to is because the things he's saying or where he's at are contrary to the scriptures. And a quick reminder, what scriptures are those? Because the New Testament isn't written, so it's all that was written beforehand. Okay? So, ultimately, this prophet's leading by whatever he's doing, whatever he's saying, not in the correct manner that it should be. 
Now, it doesn't make this guy evil and or whatever. Just Paul's pointing out, you're wrong where you're at, bud. Please. You know? So who knows how that relationship went after Paul talked with him. <laughs> Don't know. So the overall subject is the good news, then, that's going on here. And that's the Word of God. The Word of God. The Law of God. The Torah. The instructions. The righteous life for a righteous lifestyle. So the warning here that we begin to see, if we take this prophet then, the warning here, if you want to call it that, this blindness is to, this blindness is to the truth of Elohim's word, his Torah and his instruction. I think we could gather that out quickly. And like I said before, we are all blinded by that at one particular time. So don't be blind. Get back to his Torah. So blindness, an issue with those who are called by his name. Let me say that again. So blindness can be an issue by those who are called by his name. Who would that be? Come on, raise your hands with me, everyone. Blindness can be an issue with us, with his people. And I'm not just making this up because we're going to look at chapter uh, 42 of Isaiah. What does our father think of his people who are called by his name? Who he says sometimes are blind. And I think it's something to consider along with ultimately Messiah. How many times does he make references to blind guides? And I know that, oh, that gets applied to the Pharisees. They were blind, but I'm not. When you start really looking at what he's talking about, it goes much deeper. Messiah's uh, obviously his reference to the blind, but I would like to at least begin today, and maybe we'll have to finish up next week, with Isaiah 42. I think it fits perfect with this theme of blindness in his people. See my servant whom I'm uphold. My cho- Maybe I can get through this if you allow me to get through this and then next week can have questions on it. See my servant whom I uphold. My chosen one, my, my being has delighted in. I have put my spirit upon him. He brings forth right ruling to the nation. He does not cry out nor lifts up his voice nor causes his voice to be heard in the street. A crushed reed, he does not break. A smoking flax he does not quench. He brings forth right ruling in accordance with truth. His Torah is truth. His, the word of Elohim is true. He does not become weak or crushed until he has established right ruling in the earth. And the coastlines await for his Torah, his instruction. Thus says the El, Yahuwah, who created the heavens and the earths and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and, and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, the Ruach, the Spirit, to those who walk on it. So, what we have to do, we're talking about blindness, and in some ways, Isaiah's, as it goes on, First, we have to establish something here. My servant whom I uphold, my chosen one. 
my being has delighted in. Who is that? Who? Yeshua, Messiah? Okay. Ah. Okay. I completely agree with you. But that's not the only thing that we should consider here. Who is the servant of the Most High collectively? His people. Has he not delighted in that? Has he not called Israel his people? A servant to do what? My being has delighted in that. I have put my spirit upon him, my collective servant. We're in Acts where the spirit fell and is now on or to the people. So why I pointed out, which you're correct, Joe, and think of Messiah, but if you only think of that as Messiah, then we run in the trap again. Well, Messiah did that. I don't have to now. No. We're servants. He delighted in us. He's put a spirit in us to do something. Later on, we'll find in Isaiah, he's going to call us blind as well. So we might have to get to that next week. So think about that. Let me close there. Read Isaiah 42. I believe it's speaking about two things at the same time. And of course, Yeshua is part of that. But aren't we part of Yeshua? Are we not called to be in him? So read Isaiah 42. Ponder my blind servant. Who is my blind servant? And we'll come back to this next week. Father Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we thank you that you have. You have empowered us with your spirit to go out to overcome. Father, we come before you saying, Father, we fail so many times. But you're faithful. Help us to be faithful to you in your ways. Strengthen, strengthen of us and provide for us. For there is nowhere else for us to go. And we know that you have had compassion on us. But we see that through your son, Yahshua. We thank you again. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone, and those online. And we'll come back to this next week. Isaiah 42.